0: We'll get going, and I'm sure more people. Good morning, everybody. <coughs> Anybody in the big shed last night? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know there's something amazing about when Curtis Mayfield comes on, isn't there?
1: Uh huh.
0: Everybody starts dancing when Curtis Mayfield comes on, even me.
1: <laughs>
0: Curtis Mayfield, you know, ah. amazing. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we, we are very welcome to Litfest. Uh, we're here to have a wonderful discussion with my guest this morning, April Bloomfield. Before we do that, we're gonna have a very interesting thought experiment, okay? Which requires silence and concentration. Paul, calm down now, okay? (laughs) And I want you to kind of all close your eyes, and if we can maintain as close to perfect silence as we can manage in the grain store, And I want you to listen to the courgette, can you hear it? Can you hear the courgette? Now what noise, okay you can open your eyes now? What noise is the courgette making, April?
1: Uh, It's it's, um, laughing. It's, it's, it's got a little giggle that's kind of like... <laughs> ee, ee,
0: ee, ee. I don't know. So when it's got that noise, okay.
1: When it's you're got that noise it.
0: and you're cooking stewed courgettes with basil from a girl in her greens, what do you do? What do you do when you have to listen to the courgette? Um, yeah, you've just got to kind of listen to it and let it kind of
1: speak to you and just cook it in a way that's going to present the courgette. Um, or zucchini as they call it in America in, America. Uh, in, in the right way really yeah but so I kind of giggle when I end up finishing cooking that dish so that's kind of nice <laughs> Yeah.
0: okay, okay well, well, well listen we're, we're going we're to talk through this because you look at a dish like this um, by the way this is uh, April's brand new book and when you get it uh, preferably a signed copy uh, <coughs> you won't cook from anything else for the next few weeks you know you say oh my god I have to have that you know, so you look at stewed courgette. Who stews things now? Stewed vegetables. I
1: stew a lot. So I tell bet you're stew, right? <laughs> Everybody
0: stew, right? But, but but like stewed courgettes. I mean, people think no no, no sautéed or right. you know uh, carpaccio of uh, you know. Christian Puglisi probably does a carpaccio of zucchini or something like that, <laughs> right. and you're doing stewed courgettes with basil. Yeah. Just talk me through the dish, okay, from the very beginning. Where, where, where did you discover it?
1: Um, you know, I, I fell in love with zucchini at the River Cafe in, in London, and, um, you know, when, when I say stewed, I, it's lightly stewed. It's kind of gently stewed, not stewed for hours, <laughs> it's stewed for about... Lightly stewed for about 25 minutes, so, uh, yeah. Um,
0: Boiled to buggery, as you described. um, I love boiled veggies,
1: but this isn't (laughs) boiled. This is lightly kind of stewed. Just stewed enough so it releases its lovely sweet juice and actually goes a wee bit creamy, uh, which is delicious.
0: You discovered it in Rome. Somebody served it to you in Rome.
1: um, I did, yes, actually. But I fell in love with zucchini at the River Cafe. But I was on a little trip. I went to Rome and I don't know if you've all been to Rome, but by the Spanish Steps, I was craving a cup of tea, being English. (laughs) And I'd all been cappuccinoed out, so I I arrived and I found this little tea tea shop right on the edge. If you're facing the Spanish Steps, it's on the left-hand side. And uh, so I popped in and had a cup of tea. And with the tea, I got this little muffin, English muffin with some stewed zucchini. So that's kind of where that came from.
0: But, I mean, what fascinates me You know, know, in in, in reading your books (coughs) and cooking from them is you go, I mean, you're like a Chinese chef. You go right back to how you cut the vegetable. Tell me how to cut a courgette.
1: Well, uh, in this particular recipe, and actually, I don't know if you went to the the demo yesterday, um, but I cut uh, oblique, I think, you guys. I don't know what you call it here, where you just kind of do like a mismatched cut. Yes, it's not that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, this is. T- so, one end's usually thick and the other end's kind of like thin. And uh, I like that cut because when you do want to stew something and you want to make a light smash, then that actually, the thin end actually cooks down and starts to lightly thicken or cream whatever you're cooking. So, uh, yeah, I kind of like that technique.
0: And the same with carrots. I mean, you same talk about carrots, the cut, yeah. turn, cut.
1: Yeah, you're basically making like a light smash without having to like put a lot of legwork into it. So it's much more of a gentle process, uh, really. And you just get enough cream to chunk, and I kind of like that balance. You know, there's nothing worse than having a smash that's like way too smooth and not enough chunk. So it's just a good way to like balance all that up.
0: Were you always like that? I mean, let's go back. You're a kid in Birmingham, and you're going to have a bacon sandwich. Yeah. But it has to be a certain way.
1: Um, it was usually fried on one side, not two sides. Aha. Um <laughs> <laughs> So one side was squishy and the other side was crunchy. Um, and how lots about of butter, and a little bit ar- of butter too. HP sauce?
0: Uh, ketchup, actually. Yeah. with bacon? With bacon, Right, yeah. right. And that's Heinz, about it. Heinz ketchup? A Heinz ketchup, Heinz yes.
1: ketchup. Or Or a, a daddy's sauce. Anybody remember daddy's sauce? Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: sometimes daddy's sauce, yeah.
0: Right were you always fussy in that way was there always the, 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 a particularity that made a dish speak to you
1: um i don't know actually I, I i think that probably came later in life i think and the awareness you get through food and eating and meeting people and and being influenced and um just travel you know and, and just pick I- picking up on those details you know and, and those details are, are what makes pe- uh, what what makes people um successful I think, it's mm. those, if you can translate those, whether it's my staff or through my book, I think it's, it's, it's got the possibility of making them successful.
0: You yeah. know? Because I mean, the, the, the culinary world we live in now, in many respects, is largely driven by experimentation. Right. I mean, the, the, the New Yorker pointed this out in a, a big profile of you back in 2010, and they kind of said, okay, in a world of experimentation, that's not what you do. No. You're, you live in a, a culinary world of perfectionism. Yes, yeah. Either I try, it's perfect, yeah. or I'm still chasing. Do it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to experiment, but I, I have boundaries that uh, you know I never do fusion, um, but I, I stick within the boundaries that I have. Um, but I like to do all sorts of stuff. You know, I sometimes I get obsessed with breadcrumbs, and then I breadcrumb everything or stuff <laughs> everything with like bread. You know, all these kind of things, and uh, and and then when I'm done with that, I kind of carry on with something else. Yeah. But uh,
0: you know. But I mean, you do do a little bit of fusion because the other uh, after after I'd done the stewed courgettes, uh, the other thing I I sort of looked at it and I thought, steamed aubergine with ground pork. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that doesn't sound very nice. And it's a killer dish. (laughs) You know, I thought, oh my god. I hope everybody
1: doesn't think that. Steamed aubergine.
0: (laughs) You know, you think. I mean, it's you know, it's sounds icky.
1: No, it's not. No it's, ever, not. no, it's it's not. It's
0: not. It's awesome, but it sounds nobody's like nobody's going to
1: buy the book. Though. No, they will. That.
0: <laughs> they will buy the book. Let me assure you, it doesn't sound good. It eats awesome. Absolutely amazing. It's an amazing dish, But you are messing around there with a, a Sichuan dish. But this
1: is not fusion. This is like, a, you can do it in Sichuan food, Thai food. They all have their kind of eggplant with a little bit of yeah. meat. Or green beans, you know, with ground pork and lots of Sichuan pepper it is, del- you know, delicious. So I just, I kind of, I just did a recipe that I really adore and popped it in the book. Yeah,
0: it's a beautiful Because I thought
1: other people would appreciate if yeah. they've never had yeah. it before. But. <laughs>
0: But let's go back (laughs) because um, you're 16 years old and you're going to be a policewoman.
1: I wanted to. Yeah, Cagney and Lacey chasing bad guys in Birmingham. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I love the bill, right? I love Cagney and Lacey. Chips, I adored those. I loved watching Chips, you know. And actually when I eventually got to California and I saw the the guys on their bikes, I was kind of like... (gasps) I actually saw a car chase in San Francisco, and I was just coming down towards the Tenderloin, and I was in a cab, and this big San Francisco uh, police car just kind (laughs) of, and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) it was kind of. Was it real or was it a movie? No, it was real. Real. Wow. Gosh, it happens, you know. They're all like, (laughs) anyway.
0: So you were going to be that cop. What happened?
1: Um, I left my application form in England. They had this cadets scheme yeah. and I don't know if they still have it but at sixteen you can apply and then um, and then you know go into full-time police force when you're eighteen and uh, I just you know I think I was a regular teenager I procrastinated and um, and uh, I left my application form too late. I popped it in the post a couple of weeks later said sorry you have to reapply when you're eighteen and at the time my two sisters were cooking. And uh, one was still at cooking school. So um, my mum kind of sat me down and she's like, Look, you know, what are you going to do? You have about three, three weeks to leave school and you haven't done anything. And so I panicked and my sister walked in and she had a chef white tie and she was about to go to work. Um, and uh, I was like, Oh, I like that uniform. I'll cook. I'll just, I'll do that. Is
0: it uniforms there? It's obviously uniforms. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. Cop you know, uniform, chef uniform. But
1: I like the structure. I like, uh, I like the. Um, I don't know, I like the, I like rules, you know, um, I like to be, I like to give myself some restrictions and, you know, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I suppose it's, it's everything really. So anyway, I ended up going to college, and I really, really just, uh, I loved it.
0: I mean, I, mean, I mean, did you kind of walk into the kitchen with the instructors, put on the uniform and suddenly...
1: It was actually it. before I'd even uh, got all my kit, my uniform and my knives, uh, which actually was really cheap at the time. When I think back now, you're probably paying like a grand for doing all this stuff. Yeah. But mine was like 183 pounds for my whole year <laughs> and my knives, which was great. Um, uh, so, I, you know, before I, I got all that stuff, I got a tour of the, the uh, college. It was Birmingham College of Food. and. Uh, we, w- we walked into this kitchen that they called the ethnic kitchen. It, kitchen. And it had woks, you know, with all the big jet burners and, and a tandoor oven. And uh, I just remember smelling the spices and seeing the... It was the spices that caught me first. Mm. Um, and then seeing the chefs run around, you know, kind of a bit hectically. And uh, I was like, oh, you know what? It's not what I want to do, but I'm going to come in here and I'm going to give it 110%. And uh, hopefully, you know, if, if I can reapply for the police force and I don't carry on cooking, at least I'm going to be able to cook my friends a great lamb chop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And
1: I was like really obsessed with this lamb chop. It's so funny. <laughs> I was like big, fat, salty lamb chop, you know. Anyway, so I did my first year and I had a really great time. And I still had another year till I got to 18. So I applied for my second year. And, and, uh, and then, you know, um, London came calling and...
0: And what was the tuition like in the school? I mean, when you look back now, how, <coughs> how, how were the instructors? Amazing. Like, were they motivated people? They really wanted you to, to kind of yeah, succeed? Yeah, they were, they were hard. hard. They were nothing but old all school. serious. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And uh, we learned the classics, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great, great time. Plus, there was a pub down the road, which I kind of like that, too. I drank lots of cider back then for some weird reason. Because
0: you were reason. a DJ
1: as well. I used to. I don't do that anymore. No. It was just like it was Tonight a hobby. Tonight, maybe in the big show. No, 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 f- no flipping records no? for me. No, no. no. I I gave that up once I started working at like 18 hours a day. <laughs> that, <laughs> the, that, that got tired really fast. <laughs> you can't DJ and sit down. It's just not cool. You know. <laughs>
0: So London, London beckons—the big city. Yes. Okay. What yep. was the food scene like in London back then? When oh, you, it was when great. You first went there? Well,
1: I think it was about 1990 I got there, yeah. so yeah. they were still kind of coming off that uh, yeah. 1987, you know, Sally Clark, <coughs> um, Alice Delittle, Little, Roly yeah. Lee. Yeah. So my first job was with Roly Lee
0: actually. In yeah. Kensington Place. In, in Ken- Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And what was really like to work for? Yeah, he was great. Confidentially, Roly's not here, is he? No. No. Okay. No, he was great. Yeah.
1: But he used to do this thing <laughs> that uh, really would just freak me out every day. Like he'd come down, and he'd be like, Okay, I'll write the menu, but wouldn't come down for hours and you'd be like worried about your specials, you know. So you'd run up and he'd be like, Yeah, just kinda do this and do that and, and I'll come and help and, and, and I'd be really in the shit, right? Because he wouldn't come down and then like five minutes he'd just come before service, he'd be like, <laughs> And I'd be Throw like it
0: all together. Oh my god. Wow. Amazing, very yeah. talented, yeah, very yeah. Uh,
1: intelligent guy, yeah.
0: Yeah, very bright man, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that was a big, big team in, in KP?
1: Well, I got there when it was still a small kitchen. It was tiny, the butcher was still in the, in the main kitchen. <coughs> and then about a year later, we closed and reopened. So yeah, yeah it, it doubled actually, the kitchen. Yeah. And that's what really appealed to me, was the, uh, the, the the small kitchen, that kind of being able to see everything. Um, so, yeah, I like learning from other people, too. Yeah. It's not just the chef that I like learning from. You can pick up every day from your co-workers, and, and I kind of like that.
0: Yeah. 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 B- because, I mean, I mean, that's one thing that, uh, and it's something that Alice Waters was, was, was kind of saying yesterday, you know, it's not about, people tend to think of it of, of a professional kitchen, they think of a hierarchy, you know, there's mm. a name chef. Right. But actually, you know, okay, fair enough, there maybe, there's Roly Lee, or there's, Rose and Ruthie and I mean you need the somebody cafe, steering this ship you yeah. know
1: but but it doesn't mean that you can't learn from other people I mean just think about it. all those people have been to restaurants before and maybe have more experience yeah. so you know it's nice to kind of quietly watch them and pick up details
0: Had you y- y- there wasn't much much money in the household when you were growing up so they you weren't reared on going out to restaurants
1: We we did we, we Every now and again, we'd have these family kind of pub gatherings where we'd have, like, 20 people. I remember those. And, um, and you know, we'd always have to kind of sit upright and be uh-huh. polite. And we'd always be made to make our own order, which was, like, the most terrifying thing. But like, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, which, you know, um, I obviously I got used to that, but um, thank goodness. Um, so, yeah, we used to have lots of parties, too. My nan used to make amazing parties with lots of canapes and trifles. And one year, she dropped it on the floor, and everybody was, like, laughing. They realized it was quite serious. <laughs> 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 Poor nan. She wasn't very happy. Anyway. She was a good cook? Yes, yeah, she was a great cook, mm-hmm. yeah. My mum mm-hmm. not so much, but my, my nan was amazing, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. and, and you, you spoke about the fact that your two older sisters had both been in the, the catering school before mm-hmm. you. And how did their careers progress then?
1: Well, uh, one um, ended up going into realty, so she stopped. Um, and then one is still working. Actually, she joined me at uh, the Breslin in New York, Great. and uh, she got to work with me, so we got to work alongside each Lovely. other, yeah. which was freaked everybody out. I don't know if anybody has ever seen a picture of my sister, but we're kind of almost twins, <laughs> especially because our mannerisms are the same. We uh-huh, don't really uh-huh. look the same but we have our hair in the same barn and and um I'd only told a few people that she was going to come work for me mainly my head chefs and but they didn't tell anybody so one day somebody turned around and like tapped my sister on the shoulder and thought it was me and got all freaked out because it wasn't <laughs> and then my 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 chef was like like twins <laughs> you didn't tell me it's like funny
0: but you're in KP I mean you're in you, you know, with Roly Lee, uh, is uh, when did you have that confident moment when you suddenly thought, you know what, I can do all this? This, this is fine. I can keep learning. I can do this. I'm good at this. When, when, when did that moment happen that you suddenly thought, hang on a second now? Um, this, is, this is where I belong. <clears throat>
1: Was it wasn't probably till 10 years after cooking in the kitchen, I like <laughs> really? uh, It took me a long time because. I- I had this kind of a complex, I suppose that that this wasn 't my chosen career mm. it w- you know it wasn 't something that I'd originally came up with, so it took me a long time to kind of settle in, although i, I looking back, I was probably efficient and fast and, and, yeah. and I would absorb and, and learn. I was quite a fast learner um, so i like because I, I I like to learn visually. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, uh, it was probably not until 10 years after I, I think I finally reached the River Cafe and had this epiphany and was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be
0: doing. Right. But how long were you in Kensington Place then? Oh, a
1: long time. I was there for two years. Nobody stays anywhere more than a year <laughs> anymore, do they? Two years? Two years. And wow. then I left and I went to work with Simon Hopkinson at the Bendham. Uh-huh. Hobby, which was, yeah. Yeah, hobby, yeah, yeah. Which is great. And then... Uh, Paul Rankin actually, I worked for, worked for Paul in Northern Ireland. Yeah, that
0: was in the Roscoff. early 1990s. That was like 93, Yeah, yeah, 94 yeah. 19- actually. I mean, I mean, I mean we, were, we, we were talking about this briefly the other night. Roscoff then was an extraordinary restaurant. Oh yes, totally. I mean, the the alumni from Roscoff in 91, 92, 93, 94 is unparalleled in any right. restaurant in Irish history. But I didn't know you were there. You yes. were there with the late Robbie Miller and yes, yeah. all Niall um, McKenna, all those other extraordinary I chefs.
1: I was there only six months, but I had to come back for personal reasons. But um, yeah, I loved the island. I loved the whole. Uh, so friendly. It was green. It was luscious. Bombs. A major of uh, bombs. There was a few scary <laughs> moments. Yeah, but um, uh, <coughs> actually, I remember one guy. Actually, he had, must have come from the army, and he, he'd have to check his car every yeah. night, which was yeah. kind of crazy.
0: With the, the mirror. With the mirror. With the yeah. Torch. yeah. 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 And um, yeah.
1: but uh yeah, loved everything about Ireland. Yeah. I, I I always regret leaving I was gonna stay there a year and uh, it's always something every now and again you, you kinda have those things that pop in your head and I was like, damn, I should have just stayed one was like another six months. Yeah. And so yeah. I like commitment. I like once I make a commitment, um, I, I, I like to stick to it. Yeah. I, I lead by my word. So. <coughs> I was a bit disappointed.
0: Right, yeah. right. But, a, but Hopefully again, I'll shake that off sometime soon. I don't <laughs> know. It's only taken
1: me t- 15 years is so. <laughs> To so get over it. <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> 20 years, yeah.
0: So. so you're back to London? <coughs> um, Into yeah. the River Cafe?
1: Yeah, back to London. Uh, well, actually, I, w- I worked at the Brackenbury. Anybody know the Brackenbury yeah. with Adam yeah. Robinson? great restaurant. Yes, yeah. yeah. He yeah. was super talented too and uh, would you, do after-coffs. You after were really hitting stuff.
0: very hot places there. I mean, Roscoff at its height, the Brackenbury, the ori- right, you know, right. the, the early Kensington Place. Yes. Great, great, great kitchens. Yeah. Great uh, restaurants. Good
1: teachers. You good know. teachers. And actually, it was really nice to kind of go from each restaurant because I really got to learn a lot in each and different things, like at Kensington Place. You know, uh, it started off as a small restaurant and then gradually got and increased uh, the volume. And it just made me become... Uh, uh, good at cooking high volume, mm. but consistently. And, and I think consistency as a chef is a really important thing. You know, that's part of your foundation. Yeah. If you can cook 200 pieces of fish consistently
0: yeah. and
1: season them evenly every yeah. time yeah. and get the same amount of crisp on the skin and the same perfect kind of flesh underneath, uh, I, I think that just gives you really good structure. How do you
0: maintain that attention level? You because you focus. know, <laughs> I could try to kind of cook 200 pieces of fish the right. same, and I might get through to number 64, and then 65 right. will be just a disaster, you know. You
1: just have to use every cell in your body and just all your might just to kind of keep things you have to like power through. It's 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 you know, it's getting through those pain barriers and just making sure that, that you're kind of focusing on on the job at hand.
0: Was there anybody who taught you that or did you teach that yourself? Or no, did you I just see that then. the other guys the other guys had to maintain that level of Yeah, you know, concentration and mm-hmm. discipline and like working when you're tired? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that
1: that's that's hard. You just just get in you know get it, get in there and do it. You know, you have to kind of uh, you know a lot of people give up too early now, too, I think, and uh, they don 't kind of push p- through those barriers, yeah. so they end up just leaving but you 're going to learn more by staying yeah.
0: than just yeah.
1: walking away and not f- yeah. not figuring out how you 're feeling or dealing with stuff or talking about it, even you know a lot of young chefs don 't talk about it. I always used to go up to like Roly and say, "Hey, Roly, how can I improve like what yeah. can I do? Do I need to f- speed up? Am I going too fast like?" You know, all these things, uh, you know, asking questions. A lot of chefs don't ask questions anymore. Well, would know.
0: they be male chefs? Do they think they already know it when they're 22 years old? And they think, oh, hey, man." I just don't think any you know.
1: youngsters, Any, I s- I'm making myself really old. but um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Young people. Yes, young people, <laughs> exactly.
1: So no, I think it's men, women, you know, definitely, um, they need to ask more is there questions.
0: D- is there a difference in the professional kitchen between the way... Uh, Know, a woman is going to ap- approach the task and a, and a man is going to approach the task, as far as you can see? No, not really.
1: No? No, I hate that question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I mean, there's a, you, you know, there's a conventional wisdom that if you like, men cook to kind of demonstrate their skills, right. whereas women cook to kind of satisfy the customer and to I nurture th- you. I
1: think men are more cerebral. I, mean, I think they cook that way, and I think women are much more soulful, mm. and they have this connection. Like I, I feel like my connection with food comes from here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really important for me to keep that connection and, and have that, you know? Like, it's really done with love and passion and, and drive and,
0: um, yeah. But, but when you think about that, does that take you back to your childhood? I mean, I'm very struck in the books by, y- you know, you re- remember very simple things in your childhood, like, so fondly, you know? Yeah. I mean, those overcooked Brussels sprouts, boiled to buggery, you know? And you sort of think, oh, yeah, they were they were nice,
1: actually. I did quite good. like them at the time. Yeah. But yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's kind of like eating, you know, like not liking something. You know, you'll go out to restaurants and you'll be like, oh, I don't like Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. But it's just the fact that you might ne- have never have even had a great Brussels sprout. Yeah. And having this epiphany of eating something delicious, yeah. you know, can set you on a track. And actually, um, when I was a young cook, I'd be terrified going out with all these chefs and eating because they'd be like, oh, this is amazing. And I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of like judge how, how I'm feeling. And, yeah. and that takes time sometimes to appreciate good food. Yeah. Um,
0: but you're learning all the time now. And then if always. we could jump forward then into the River Cafe. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- that, that was an epiphanous experience.
1: Yeah, it was. For you. You know, I was almost going to give up cooking before I got that job, so it was kind of a last chance saloon for me to to get that job. Uh, I used to watch Rose and Ruth on TV in the italian kitchen i don 't know if you guys remember that TV yeah, show,, yeah. but I just I loved the way uh, Rose just kind of threw threw in the salt in the pan and she 'd be like, "Just got the garlic and the salt and and it was just very simple food, and yeah. uh, nothing was ever chopped fine. It didn't seem like it had this stress. I hated chopping things fine. It was so stressful. It was like, you know, got to be perfect, and you'd be eating all the half cuts, you know, <coughs> of whatever you're chopping. But. And uh, I used to lay awake at night just thinking, oh, you know, I really want to work here, but I really just don't know if I'm good enough to work there. And, um, so how and did you I get, get how really did you excited. Get well, I called up an old friend um, who I'd worked with. Actually, I ended up working with three people that ended up being there. Uh, in previous jobs. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I'm looking to move on and uh, I feel like I wanna work at the cafe. And so they asked Rose and Ruth um, if I could come in for a trail. And I did my two week trail while Uh working at another job. And um, uh, I had to make this walnut sauce. um, And it's a wet walnut. I'd never seen a wet walnut before. It's basically a walnut that's young and fresh and it's very moist inside. It's not overly dried. And I had to make this dish, uh, which was really scary uh, to make, because normally on trails you don 't get to make stuff, yeah. so I got stuck in, and I can see why they wanted me to make it because you have to boil you have to crack the nut and then blanch the walnut in milk and then peel the skin to get rid of the bitter skin and so um, that's why they probably got me to do it, because they didn't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what trails are for, anyway. Yep, yep. Um, so I ended up making this sauce, and then you use the milk to soak bread, which becomes part of the sauce, and then you pound in a pestle and mortar, so not a RoboCoop or a, coo- mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. a Mix, uh, with garlic, um, and it was basil at the time, but I think they've changed it to parsley, so you can use either of those. A really great Tuscan olive oil, so it was like spicy, grassy, delicious... Mm complex and, and it was the olive oil that kind of brought it all together it was the garlic, the, the basil and the olive oil and I think if you were missing either one of those ingredients it just wouldn't be that amazing. Yeah. Okay, so it was the combination of everything and then this really delicious sweet walnut with just a little bit of texture with the creamy uh, bread uh, and then they just tossed it it was room temp, they put it in a hot pot pasta and I just, I ate a spoon and I was like, oh my gosh, I almost cried. I I, I just remember, it was like somebody had hit my, a pe- like a pan, like a big cast iron pan on my head and <laughs> and was like, what have you been doing for the last 10 years? Yeah. You know, you yeah. d- this is where you should be. Right. And uh, it, it was as though my palate had gone from... Um, to a higher consciousness. It was the most amazing experience. It was like all of a sudden my palate got got it and then it clicked in my head. (gasps) And I was like, I'm meant to be doing this. And uh, it was the most uh, amazing experience.
0: And did you have the the same experience? Because later on in the book here, you write, if it weren't for kale puree, I wouldn't be where I am today. yes, yeah. so kale was another so this entry is, point.
1: well this is, this is wh- I was watching Rose and Ruth on Italian kitchen, and uh, this is the dish that made me want to work there. It was a real simple dish with boiled salted water with mold on, of course, big big handful and, um, and a few cloves of garlic, and then big uh, handfuls of cavolo Nero yeah and then the Tuscan olive oil. So they would blanch it with all the with all the garlic, drain it really well, put it in a magic mix uh, with the garlic cloves and some fresh garlic just to balance it, and then lots of Tuscan olive oil. And it was the most amazing, bright, luscious, mm. vegetal um, puree I've ever seen. And it was on TV. And I was like, I want to cook like that. Yeah. And uh, so um, what I did the next day is I was sous-chef at... Uh, the Brackenbury and so I went back and I, I made this uh, dish, and uh, it wasn't as nearly as good as the one that I eventually got to cook when I got my job at the yeah. cafe. So.
0: But I'm, I'm struck by the fact that, I mean, that's two very simple things, mm-hmm. walnuts, yeah. kale, but done in a very precise and respectful way yeah. with optimum ingredients, and yeah. it's just, as you say, it's a revelation, it's a revelation. Mm-hmm. It's a revelation. Yeah, w- was, it was that the, the story the f- of being at the, in the f- f- river
1: cafe yeah, it was the first place I kind of you know and and uh, I don't want to be disrespectful for any uh, other chef that I worked pre- previously before the cafe but they just had this way about them they 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 had this amazing just simplicity mm. they would find amazing ingredients and uh, um, and just turn them into something very uh, simple and yeah. delicious yeah. Uh, where all the other chefs were doing more complicated things that that kind of muddied everything. I felt yeah. and um, yeah, very. Spectacular. They didn't let
0: technique get in the way. They were after a, a sort of purer result, yes. rather than just having you know perfect brunoise or yeah, something exactly, like that. That didn't yeah. matter. Yeah, that wasn't. There was important. another
1: dish that I I cooked there uh, at the River Cafe that blew my mind. Was uh, they called it slow cooked fennel, and they sh- it, you know they taught me how to break down the fennel in a certain way, and then take out the outside leaves and then cut it in half and cut it into quarters and thirds and so on and then just get a hot pan with some garlic and some delicious olive oil and then throw it in with some salt and it'll just all stew and get creamy so it's the same kind of idea of just getting it to the right texture with the right amount of creaminess and uh you know just blew my mind it's like three ingredients but it's all about the fennel you know it's not about anything else and uh just you could just eat a whole bowl you know Amazing.
0: But you had another. L- I mean, later on, you you you, you recount in the book you actually had the good luck to have dinner with the great march the late great Marcella Hazan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yes. a- again, another extraordinary cook. Not a professional cook. Right. She was a scientist mm-hmm. by training. Yeah. Taught herself to cook in order to feed Victor. Mm-hmm. Lucky uh, man. <laughs> but, but I mean, what a cook!
1: Yeah, Marcella amazing. Was.
0: Tell us, tell us about she had dinner at, at sh- sh- sh-
1: She had that same kind of earthiness, you know, um, that kind of. Uh, she had that soulful connection. You know, she really understood mm. food. Uh, and I remember I was in, I was in uh, Australia with Fergus Henderson, and Fergus was drunk. And I was <laughs> I'd just got off work. I'd been working really hard, and I was in this miserable place in, 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 uh, in Australia that I was cooking. And uh, I'm not going to mention any names. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, And Fergus was like, oh, do you want to come and meet Marcella Hazan in Florida? And I'm like... Yes, please. That would be awesome. Be so nice. I met I met Fergus in, in uh, Sarasota in Florida, and uh, I think I was on the beach having like some crazy drink, like a pina colada, and uh, offered Fergus one, and he doesn't like pineapple, so I well, um, <laughs> I had to drink it all myself. So the next day we were like we were anticipating uh, our arrival, and we were all quite nervous, you know. So we get into the apartment building, and um, we're like. We're kind of like this in the, by the front door, you know. Just kind of like, <laughs> should we press the button? there? <laughs> so we press the button, and Michella opens the door, and then Victor's behind her, and uh, she uh, she introduces herself. And uh, the waft of truffles coming from <laughs> coming from. Mich- I was just had this moment. I was like, oh, oh my God, Michella has She smells like truffles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I got really excited. And so she guided us in, and we sat on her sofa, and she had a, an array of, uh, of these um, snacks. And uh, I, I finally found out that it wasn't a michella that smelled like truffles. <laughs> although that would have been wonderful. It was little um, pickled peach peaches. They um. were like this small, like picked early and then preserved in, in, uh, in uh, truffle oil. Wow. And, uh, but then she gave me this thing called a carta de musica, and it basically means sheep music, sheet
0: music bread, yeah. because
1: you're supposed to be able to see the sheep music uh, through through the the piece of bread, or it's the sound mm. when it comes out of the oven. Um, and it was basically butter, bataga, and then more butter and sh- the sheep music. So it was basically a crispy sandwich. And Fergus is talking with Marcella and Victor, and uh, Trevor was there too. And I'm eating this thing, and I'm. C- and it's the texture. It's just crispy. It's crunchy. It's buttery and slightly salty, but sticky. It was like peanut. It was like eating fishy peanut butter. It was all like getting <laughs> stuck. It was lovely. And I kind of turned around and I was like, oh, "This is the most amazing thing I've eaten. Like, how come I haven't eaten this before?" Yeah. And uh, it was the same kind of moment of, uh, that I had at the cafe. I love those moments in food when you go out and eat. And they just make you kind of giggle or just pause and reflect for a second. Yeah. And you have this real intimate moment when you eat something amazing. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I love meeting Rachella. And she made this uh, green pappardelle uh, with um, um, uh, braised veal shank with anchovies. And, uh, and she came out, she was carrying it and it had two bone marrow spoons. And I said yeah. to Fergus, I said, Check this out. Bone You're gonna marrow. love it. Yeah, Fergus Henderson, <laughs> and uh, it was <coughs> the most delicious meal. And yeah. uh, she did this pappardelle with um, a little bit of uh, uh, tomato, mushroom, and veal. And it just had the perfect balance between the acidity from the tomato to the mm. sweetness of the veal. Um, yeah, it was it was
0: lovely. <coughs> nice I mean, that you know, you you, you, you talk about this again in, in the River Cafe about their ability. They they never just replicate the recipe. You know, if you're cooking with summer tomatoes, it's different from cooking, you you know, at the height of the season. You're going to look for a different result or you're going to have to be conscious of, okay, I'm getting that acidity or I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting this impact. So you have to coax the dish into perfection. Mm -hmm. It's It's not just a process.
1: Right, it's about using your instincts to uh, know when to hold back from something. I remember Rose teaching me how to make a soup and she taught me both ways, one in the summer and one in the winter. Yeah. And in the winter, it was a ribollita, uh, which is just a reboiled soup in Italian. But um, in the summer, she taught me how to make quick tomato sauce, so it had brightness, but it had a little bit of sweetness, mm. and it was fresh. So I didn't cook <coughs> the, the 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 base as much. So. You know, and then she taught me in the winter where you'd get your base, your sofrito, a little bit more brown, mm. and yeah. then you would wouldn't be using fresh tomatoes because they're out of season, but you'd use uh, canned tomatoes, um, and that you would cook those a lot more and get those a bit more toasty and almost kind of auburn looking, you know, like mm. real kind of rusty. Um, so they they w- that would kind of add the sweetness and the concentration to the dish so it, it would be more hearty yeah. which is uh, amazing and uh, so yeah she kind of taught taught how to balance that out so when i was making the winter ribollita, she you know she was like just because you have all these tomatoes you know you might want to just not add them all because yeah. it, it might not need it yeah. so just be aware you know and and um, that was the first time that somebody had ever told me that and uh, i just thought that was very inspiring yeah. Um, because it, it taught it taught me to use my, hey, like, you know, is something a bit more meaty or not mm. today? Is a carrot more sweet one day than the next day? And, you know, just because, you know, maybe your carrot's not as sweet one day, you don't keep doing the same preparation with it. Yeah. You know, really kind of, you know, maybe you want to cook it with some onion and make a soup because it's not as sweet, yeah. so you don't want to roast it and yeah. have that so obvious. Mm. Uh, and just to be able to kind of mix and match uh, different Different things.
0: I mean, you learned a great deal in the River Cafe, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that you. I mean, you mentioned you know Rose in some ways was
1: <coughs>
0: abrupt. Would we say regarded by some people as abrupt?
1: Um, she, sometimes she could be, but um, you know they, they never. She, she
0: wasn't gonna pat you on the back and say, "Well done, well, April. Great, great, you'd have great to be, shift."
1: Yeah, we no exactly. No, like you if were, you
0: weren't gonna be told that.
1: No, if you were doing a great job, and she she would say she would mean it she w- you know now people always are like great job great job yeah. but it's not High really five. meaningful you know yeah. Yeah. but um she always gave you <coughs> a compliment if she really meant it and that that's the most important uh, thing i think that you know i picked up
0: yeah how long were you there i was there 4 years yeah, yeah. enjoyed it all
1: i loved every moment if yeah. if i hadn't got this opportunity to go to new york i i i joke with ruthie i i'd be still there right now so oh. uh, yeah
0: so I loved it. <coughs> New York beckons, yeah, okay, so Ken Friedman, yes, is going to open a place in New York. Yes, so we're Ken Friedman. Were were is you the my fir- Were you the first choice?
1: Uh, no, I wasn't actually the first choice. Were you the choice. second choice? No, I wasn't the second choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were the third choice.
1: I think I was either third or fourth. Yeah, right. Um, How did I you swing it? Uh, You know, I just, I was with myself, you know, I I, I got invited to go to New York (coughs) on a whirlwind weekend of just eating and drinking. And um, I think I visited like four restaurants in one day, you know, Babo, Luper, Union Square Cafe, uh, Pearl Oyster Bar. And uh, I just, you know... um, Ken Friedman's my business par- partner. He he doesn't have a background in food at all, but he's foodie. <coughs> he loves food. He was into music. He was into music. He used to put on the Buzzcocks in New York. Yes, he New was. York. Yeah, he was the first guy to bring you two to San Francisco, and uh, he used to manage Simple Minds and a little bit of UB40. And then Morrissey until they got rid of him. But <laughs> 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 um, he probably would hate me for saying that right now. Um, <coughs> So uh, his dream was to open a a, a restaurant or a pub. He was really fascinated with the gastropub movement. And he loved the fact that it was casual, that you could kind of take your friends there. And he wanted a place where he could take his friends. So he had offered Jamie Oliver the job of coming over and being chef owner. Jamie was too busy getting naked at that stage. (laughs) Um, So Jamie (laughs) Jamie passed, but passed along my name. Uh And... um, And, you know, I I was happy at the River Cafe, but I kind of wanted a different life experience. I wanted to go see and do something different, uh, personally and professionally. Um, And so I said yes, and uh, I got the job and...
0: Tell me about the interview.
1: So I went for an interview. Ken Friedman was there. We were at Pearl Oyster Bar uh, uh, in the the West Village. And um, I turned up Mario Batali. Anybody know who Mario Batali is? He's this really boisterous, amazing guy. He's crazy. Yeah, he's crazy. He's completely crazy. He is. The trousers. Yeah, he the wears ponytail. shorts. all the, he, shorts, yes. he wears shorts 12 months of the year. Yes, he does. Yeah, and and the, orange clogs. <laughs> uh, orange
0: orange clogs. Yeah, he likes yeah. orange, yeah. Um, did, did you ever go drinking with Mario? I have. You have? Yes. And but you're still here. You live. Yes, yeah. You survived. It's, he how drinks long, a how lot. How long were you drinking with Mario?
1: Uh, I, ba- I, I bailed early. Yes. After
0: what? 16 hours? 18 hours? Yes, yeah, yeah. something <laughs> like that.
1: Maybe 24. <coughs> um, but yeah, amazing. So I, it was my first time meeting Mario. And, you know, I was so young. I was probably like did, 20. Did you know how
0: famous he was? Because he is in no, like I had, the had the no States. Idea. I mean, he's like... Right. No, I had no know. idea.
1: I had to ask my friend, Pete Begg. I was like, who is Mario Batali? And he was like, <laughs> you don't know who Mario Batali is. What? You know, he's a great Scottish guy. And uh, <coughs> I was like, no. And he's like, oh... Wait till you get
0: there. Battalion, Bastianich. Yeah, uh, Bastianich. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, you know, Mario is larger than life. Yeah. He's really gregarious and fun and, and <coughs> excitable. And he's apparently said to Ken, like, if this woman is the woman that's going to be the head chef and your partner, I'll know in 10 seconds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, I had lots of burns on my arm. Yeah. So the story goes <coughs> um, that, that he liked he liked my persona, and, but he loved the burns. The <laughs> fact that I, I was fearless, I suppose, in his world. Have you words. got any to show us? I do have one, but I sure don't want to... know. it's fine. No, okay. <laughs> um, um, so <coughs> he, apparently he give, gave Ken the thumbs up. And uh, so, yeah. I, I took the job. It's
0: a huge leap into the unknown.
1: It was a big leap. It was a big leap for me because I didn't know Ken that much. Yeah. And uh, I always heard terror stories of just... And nightmare stories of... of Chefs going into business with people, and them not liking their partner yeah. because but they weren't I- Music foodies. industry guys as well. Well, yeah, because <laughs> you know,
0: frequently sort of. Mm.
1: Well, they can be a bit. Dark, you know, he's very tall. My business partner, and he was name dropping like you wouldn't believe. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. <coughs> uh, yeah, it just went over my head, but um, yeah. I remember being, being really tall and loud and thinking, uh, yeah, okay, you're you're intense, but. Um,
0: but you weren't on a wavelength <coughs> at the start. We weren't. He wanted to do tofu burgers.
1: Yeah, he That's sent disgusting. me this bi- He sent me this business plan. It was crazy. I just got my first computer and I really wasn't sure how to use it, but um, <coughs> he's like, sent me this business plan, and it had like 250 beers on tap and tofu burgers and kosher <laughs> hot dogs. <coughs> and I was like, oh no. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I sent in this huge. Uh, email back, and I'm like, I think you've got the wrong chef. I'm not going to come on board and do all this stuff. And I wrote a whole list of what I was passionate about cooking. And uh, Can
0: you remember it? What did you tell them you wanted to cook?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I did like a basic, I wrote a basic menu, which uh, was like like aged rib of beef with just Bernays and lots of just good stuff, you know, good delicious stuff that I loved. I think Nudie made it on there, too. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he's like, he sent me an email back saying, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and I was like, okay, good. <laughs> right. So we, right. D- we definitely had that dynamic <coughs> from, from the start, which, uh, which was great. He really just, you know, let me kind of go, go yeah. for it. And he but I didn't he was, out,
0: he was out front of the house? He was, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We have some funny sto- old stories. Uh, but uh,
0: Like the one about the golfer?
1: Uh, I don't know that one. No? <laughs> no, really, what is that one? But uh, I it's remember... What about,
0: he brings you out to introduce you to Oh, it guy. was,
1: yeah, I, I think it was a basketball player or yeah, something.
0: Yeah, and you said, who was that golfer? Yeah. And I he said... It. Oh, yeah, that's it, yes. That's Kobe Bryant. <laughs> 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 I was like, it's, it's rather embarrassing. I mean, would you recognize Tiger Woods if you met him, do you think? Or yes, I probably would, Tiger, yeah. okay, Rory McIlroy? Uh, no. No. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh so well. It's a good thing not to recognise golfers. That's okay. But you know, you
1: know I, I I took on this job um, to open a gastro pub, but I didn't want to do that because I think at the time gastro pubs in England had started to take in, taking a turn for the worst. Mm. You know, I think all these chain pubs started opening yeah. things that they yeah. called gastro pubs, and I didn't like any of those. Um, and so I wanted to just do uh, do food, restaurant quality food, very professional, organised, efficient, and. Uh, uh, in a in a casual setting, yeah. and so that's what we decided to do. Um, but it was a uh,
0: huge change to kind of move to New York, start a new place from scratch. Something nobody else was doing anything like Spotted Pig in New York at the time. No, not there was not, there was no equivalent. No. So how quick did it become a hit? How fast was it?
1: Um, probably from day one. Yeah. It was quite bizarre. And, and, and very surreal, we had a lion out the door, it was all very bizarre really. Yeah. And then I didn't look up, from that first day I didn't look up for two years, I was cooking 18 hours a day and uh, I was expediting and cooking and trying to teach uh, at the same time, but uh, it was intense. A- and I have a funny story, because Ken's background is not restaurant at all, and um, I've never had to do this before, but I've, I organized the whole kitchen area, all the food, I train people, and uh, I said to Ken, I said, hey, did you order the plates? And he's like, no, I thought you were ordering them. <laughs> 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 and it was like, we, this was two weeks before we were due to be open, and our first customer was coming through with our first box of plates. So it was kind of uh, it was hairy. Yeah. 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 But I'm like, a that's a big learning curve. <clears throat> Next time, I'm going to take responsibility on buying the <laughs> plates. So...
0: But success was virtually virtually instant. The reviews were good, Uh, Jay-Z's over there having his hamburger, Lou Reed. Lou Reed, yeah. Yeah. yeah, How did Lou Reed manage to be the only guy who was allowed to have onions with his burger?
1: That was really funny, that didn't come from me, that came from my sous chef who was a huge fan of Lou Reed. And uh, I came in and uh, she's like, I've got to tell you something. And I'm like, what? She's like, I put onion on Lou Reed's burger. (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's fine. So, <laughs> obviously, every time, ti- no, nobody else got onions. No. So obviously she had to keep doing it every time he came in, which is
0: yeah. quite funny. So really. how was the burger such a success? T- tell us about what, how such a simple food, such a terrible food mostly. <clears throat> how, well did, how did I the Spotted Pig burger suddenly oh. ring everybody's bell?
1: Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, th- it's gotta be just the blend and the, it, you know, I came up with this, I was writing another menu on my flight over to New York and I was like, God, oh, I gotta cook a burger. And my last burger attempt was terrible, you know. <laughs> and uh, I just came to the realization that if you keep it simple mm-hmm. and clean, that people are gonna like it. So I, I was like, okay, beef, Roquefort goes with beef, that's delicious, salty, funky. And then um, I tested various buns when I got to New yeah. York. And, and I quite like the squishiness and the sweetness of a uh, brioche bun, so we, I put the brioche with the rope fort the burger. And then I, I'd eaten some fries in the... It's funny how things come together sometimes, but I'd eaten these um, shoestring fries in California in the, the restaurant next to Chez Panisse called Cesar. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. Spanish tapas bar. And uh, so I kind of took those. Right. But what I didn't realize... I thought I'd completely stolen the whole idea, but then the the owner of Cesar came to the pig on oh friends and family and i'm like this guy's going to know i stole his shoestray fries <laughs> and i was like sweating bullets i was so uh and i was like oh that's it you know he he realizes that i've t- i've taken these and um, and it was basically i got there uh, 2 years later after being having some time off i went back to Cesar, and it was completely i completely just freaked myself out because I'd forgotten that it was a garlic aioli <laughs> with these shoestring <laughs> fries, uh-huh. not sliced garlic as I was doing and uh, <laughs> crispy rosemary uh, bits, so I was I was very happy, yeah. so I'd, I'd adapted obviously, but I think I'd have forgotten that I'd adapted it, But so I freaked myself out
0: <laughs> But you suddenly became very famous um, Suddenly you're a headline yes. chef I mean, I just wonder, like there's a huge piece in the New Yorker in 2010. You know, I mean, the New Yorker doesn't do profiles of chefs. Maybe once a year? David Chang, Thomas Mm -hmm. Keller. And suddenly, there you are, 10 pages in the New Yorker. I Mm -hmm. mean, did you sort of think, whoa, is that me?
1: Yeah, it was kind of surreal. um, uh, Slightly uncomfortable having a a journalist follow you around. For how long? A good couple of days. Yeah, we went visiting farms and, you know... She spent time in my various restaurants, and uh, yeah, it's just crazy.
0: But Lo- um, lovely piece, lovely profile. Yes,
1: it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: um, New York is a celebrity-driven place, but you haven't, you haven't succumbed to that thing. Right. It's not April Bloomfield's celebrity chef. Mm-hmm. It's you know.
1: I, I, I'm, you know, I'm very much. Uh, I, I like to keep humble. I like to stay humble. I come from humble, begi- you know, beginnings, and. Uh, You know, I try and be a good person and do my job properly and and hopefully make delicious food, and and that's what I want to keep doing. Um, You know, all this other stuff is just part of the job. It's part of my, you know, uh, my restaurant uh, kind of uh, process, really. But I enjoy what I do, you know. I enjoy it, like this interview, for instance. I'm loving this, you know. It's good, and I like learning in general, whether it's just about food or, you know, like doing TV, learning how to you know, to do that and be better every time you do it. It's trying it's to like, I, I like to go through life um, um, improving on everything that I do yeah. and, and progressing. Yeah. I don't ever want to be stagnant or still.
0: Um. So, so let's just talk then about the first book. I mean, you know, beautiful book, wonderful food. Um, but you're, you're working with J.J. Good as your, yes. as your co-author. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a He's amazing. That's an unusual relationship. That somebody is translating your right. thoughts and actions and obsessions into, you know, how to cut the courgette, how to cut the carrot, yep, yep. how to roast a sheep's head. Right. You know, uh, how, how difficult was that, or how easy was it?
1: Well, JJ Good is an amazing food writer, and actually um, did an amazing job at the first book. So I decided to t- uh, pick him up for the second, um, and we just have such a great relationship. He's a, a small guy with tight curls, you know, and. Uh, He's just a joy to work with. And he's very, very passionate about food. And, uh, he, you know, on the third floor at the pig, I have this huge wooden chopping block. Yeah. And there's a bar to the right and then a kitchen area to the, to the, to the left. And so, you know, he'd just park his, uh, park his computer up there and uh, just start watching me cook. And, uh, you know, I'd have... So I have this process when I write books. I have... Um, my, f- my chefs brought me an iPad, which was kind of cool. And so <clears throat> I'd come up with a list of recipes, and then <coughs> either cross them off if I realized yeah. that they didn't work or I didn't want to do them or they just didn't feel right for the book, and then I'd write the ingredients and then I wouldn't put in the amounts, but I'd, I'd figure out what I wanted in that recipe yeah. and then I'd write the method, a rough method of that about how I would execute the dish. And then so I'd get there and then I'd start cooking and then if I tweak something I'd change the method and then I'd start putting in my ingredients yep. and weighing and measuring. And uh, so I did that part of the, the book. And mm. then JJ would pay attention. And he would be like, did you just sneak an extra tablespoon of cream in there? <laughs> I'd be like, no. Nope. <laughs> um, so he was really good at keeping me on track, mm. uh, which, is, uh, which was great. Yeah. And hitting deadlines. And he would just ask me questions. He'd be like, why are you doing that? Yeah, And then I'd explain why.
0: Yeah. Because... The recipes, okay. Some of them have a, a number of kind of processes, but but when I was cooking the roasted cauliflower salad, for for example, the other day, I mean, it worked out beautifully because it did exactly what it said in the recipe, what right, it said right. in the tin, which is that you something different going on with each mouthful. Right. You have the pomegranate. You have the cauliflower. Have I did it with brown stash, rice. Yeah. But it's not too much. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's not too it's much. Not it's too like much. Th- th- there's th- there th- you know there's always a party going on in your mouth, but it's a different party with each bite. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. So it it really worked, (coughs) but that's, to get that on the page is not easy. It's not easy.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we've tested and tested and tested, and I really, when I decided to write these books, I really wanted to make sure that people would have as much detail, but without the recipe being too complicated. And and so JJ really kind of helps me translate that onto the page. but yeah, I mean, that experience that you had, that's the experience that I had when I started at the River Cafe. Right. It was those details to the yeah. flavors going on in your mouth yeah. and why you need to add this certain thing. It's or a bit like the walnut sauce. You know, you yeah. go back to like, if you made that walnut sauce without the garlic, it wouldn't be the same sauce. Right. If right. you made that without delicious, good, a good quality olive oil, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. So you need those nuances to make it great. Yeah. You uh, y- do you find
0: that? Do do <coughs> Is it easy for you to convey that to your kitchen team? I mean, because I'm thinking, you know, you, you, If we go back a little bit now, the spotted pig is a huge hit, and Ken says, "Okay, let's do something else." Mm-hmm. You know, let's open the next one. T- to to translate that attention to detail when you suddenly have not just one restaurant, but five restaurants, right? And you've got restaurants in New York and you've got restaurants in San Francisco. That's that's hard.
1: It's difficult. It takes a lot of jumping around. I'm, I I don't know if you guys have Uber in 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 Uber? Ireland. Nope. It's Uber's this like car service um, that you can just you can access an app and you press it. I'm like their biggest customer, I'm sure, in New York. And I just spend a lot of time running around and teaching and tasting. I taste a lot. Uh, I make sure I check everybody's bees and and uh, and I'm just I'm pr- I'm very present. So it takes a lot of working, a lot of. Concentration, a lot of hours, um, but I also have, you know, amazing staff. Like each one of my head chefs have been working with me for six or seven years, right. so they really it's are a long very, time very in, very the, in a professional kitchen. Yes, yeah. 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 and they really are quite amazing, and and uh, they really get my palate and get the philosophy. So I, I trust them immensely. And it's it's great for them to have that and, and kind of carry on really. If yeah. if I can't be in one of my restaurants one, one night then I know that they're there kind of doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. So what happened after the pig? What did Ken want to do then?
1: Well we talked about doing a fish restaurant so we decided to open a fish restaurant called the John Dory which wasn't very successful because it was the recession. Never open a restaurant <laughs> when the recession hits. Um, and uh, it was a terrible area that we, we opened. Uh, and uh, it, it's taken me a long time to be able to talk about failures, but I think it's important. Um, I took so what th- went wrong? well the okay, recession the area the area the recession and and uh, not speaking up i it was my f- uh, i should have i didn 't like the area and i didn 't like the space it didn 't feel good yeah. and uh, not i didn 't speak up about that and uh, I, that was a very big lesson for me because it took me a long time to reflect on it because mm-hmm. um, i always i blamed myself i blamed the f- i blamed uh, that it was me, it was my food, but actually it, it was a, a number of things that went wrong. So
0: it didn't work from the start?
1: It was good, but, it, you know, 10th Avenue in New York is kind of, it's, it's busier now, but, yeah. you know, it's not that great, that area, and there was no foot traffic. It was just all wrong from the beginning, mm. and not speaking my mind was my biggest mistake.
0: Because you felt it was not going to work? Yeah,
1: it was, I felt like the space just wasn't very good. Right. And I just the area was just right. We took it for all the wrong reasons, right. and uh, that's something I learned uh, quite fast. How L- long did it last? Uh, nine months. Right. We decided to we d- we didn't want to getting any strife, so we we closed it early. We we cut our losses, but we knew we loved the concept. Right. Um. So when we got a space offered to us in the Ace Hotel on 29th and Broadway, we decided that. I, I liked the space a lot. It was on a corner. There was a li- little, bit more foot traffic, and we had, you know, people upstairs being able to come down. So, um, and it's much more. It was much more vast. It had high ceilings. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's an but amazing corner to go eat on.
0: But the idea was the same. Yes, it was the, the original idea, but yeah. in the ideal space, rather in the than ideal the wrong space. space yeah. 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 yeah, And again, it worked from the yes. beginning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. And the Breslin right next door. And it's kind of nice to have both in the same, same spot, you Uh know, so it's not too much. I can just run underneath and (laughs) I'm like, hey, and I run (laughs) about, Hey.
0: So do you still get to do much cooking or are you really now managing the the, the other people who are doing the cooking? Or do you I still roll up your sleeves and get stuck right. in? Oh no,
1: I get stuck in. Like, I can't physically be on a station, but when I'm in my kitchens, I'm there helping to cook. Yeah. I'm, help, I'm there cleaning for them. I'm help, I help plates, I help season, I taste. I, you taste this, you know, we taste yeah. it together. You know, like, there's a lot of like, no, that's not right, throw it in the bin, you know, start again, this yeah. is what you've gotta do. You know, there's a lot of like tweaking and manipulating and yeah. massaging and, you know, teaching basically.
0: So then San Francisco beckons. What's the difference between the people in New York and the people in San Francisco as customers?
1: Oh, uh, what's a really good question, because there is a difference, actually. Um, You know, I had my start at Chez Panisse, uh, and I fell in love with San Francisco. It's amazing. Great food town, very laid back, and and Chez Panisse is very kind of uh, unique. Um, But then I got to New York, and it was all like busy busy you know all all business and they eat like that too you know you'll (laughs) go you'll go to I'll come from my restaurant in New York and everybody's like fast 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 because in New York maybe they'll go to the pig for one part of their evening but go on to other places and they'll keep that energy you know New York is this one big ball of energy that's just like you know and then you get to San Francisco and all of a sudden you're like ah you know different energy a little bit more zen, amazing produce right at the market, and uh, and then you'll get service, and it'll be much more calm yeah. and uh, uh, slow. People eat slow in San Francisco. So in San Francisco, you go out, and you go out one time in a night, and that's right. your night out. Right. And so when we first opened the Tosca the Cafe, <laughs> We had our first couple of orders, on and because we're so like New York. We're like, yeah, yeah. Is it fired yet? Is that table fired? And we're like, no, not fired. What about what about now? And they'd be like, no. And they'd be like, God, what are they doing? And they're all <laughs> sat there with like one piece of whatever, and they're all chatting, and and you 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 accept really fast that it's. Um, or you just drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Th- it's a different mentality. Yeah. And I kind of like that. I like the mm. busyness of New York, and then you get to San Francisco, and the restaurant is kind of like, ah, oh, it's nice. You know, it's good contrast.
0: Are you spending a lot of time flying between uh, the
1: coasts? I was at the beginning. I, I try and go every couple <coughs> of months, and, uh, but I was doing once a month for the first year, flying back
0: and forth. Were you... <laughs> surprised or astonished to win the James Beard Prize for Best Chef in New York in 2014? Yes, I, I mean, that's huge, huge yeah. awards. Yes, it's basically you know?
1: the, the if it, it, nobody knows, the James Beard Awards is like the the Oscars, the Oscars. in the food world. It yeah. really is a very big deal. Um, and yes, I, I managed to pick up that award for Best Chef New York in 2014. And it was amazing to be able to go up on stage and be recognized by your peers, you yeah. know, and um, yeah, very humbling experience uh, yeah. and something I'm going to remember for like a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in New York, tell us where, you, where else you like to eat.
1: Uh, okay. you
0: got, got a rare night off, where yeah. are you going to go? Um,
1: I go to Marta, actually, just because it's around the corner from where I live. Marta is a Danny Meyer and uh, Nick yep. uh, Andrea restaurant. If you're in New York, you should go. He makes amazing pizzas and uh, lots of like roasted meats. Um, for fine dining, I like to go to Eleven Madison, Blue Hill Stone Barns by Dan Barber. Barber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where else do I like to I love Chinatown. Oh, my gosh. There's nothing more amazing than eating spicy food on your day off. You know, <laughs> um, and, and eating things with spices. Like I love uh, eating Indian food. Yeah. Um, so lots of dim sum on a Sunday. I go to this place called Jinfeng. And if you ever go, you have to go. It's epic. It's the size of a football field, this, uh, this dim sum uh, restaurant. And it's just full of just... Really cute little old ladies with steam t- steam trays, yeah. uh, lots of chili, and it just it's just amazing, really. Right.
0: Yeah, because New York is going through an extraordinary boom at the present moment, isn't it? I mean, an extraordinary property boom yeah but property I mean lots of hotels of money, yes hotels yeah, yeah. i mean an extraordinary boom mm-hmm. really
1: and san francisco too you know Same. there's not there's not enough housing for the amount of people that live in san francisco so right now san francisco is going high it's like you know lots of stuff uh, uh, is being built
0: yeah i mean do, do you enjoy that energy in, in in new york and san francisco i mean the, the fact that
1: yeah, I, l- I love it. You I know, love York it. New York is the center, <coughs> right?
0: Is it's not quite the financial center, but in, in, in right. other ways, you know, it is it is yeah. such such a, a happening happening. But so is London. I mean, London again has been transformed into a great I restaurant city, which you couldn't say that about, right. about twenty five years ago. Oh no, no, no,
1: not at all. You know, I think London is amazing right now, and it's really exciting. And I'm watching from a distance, and I've made some very good friends uh, that have some restaurants here uh, in London. Um, so yeah, it's very exciting. Um, you know, and I did an interview a couple of, a couple of weeks back and, and I, the, and, and a journalist was like, you know, what do you think about the London scene? i like, it's great, you know, and it hasn't been that way for a very yeah, long time, yeah. probably not since the gastropub movement in the uh, early nineties. Yeah. And somebody mentioned like, that's ridiculous. She doesn't know what she's talking <laughs> about. And of course I do. I work there. I was living it. I was breathing it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's a really, really amazing, exciting time right now. Yeah. You can just feel the energy. Yeah. You know, and even the Americans are starting to come, you know, like Danielle. You know, and, and, and uh, Keith McNally's actually come back, you know. Yeah. T- he's brought yeah. Balthazar to, to London, which is yeah. amazing, so. Yeah. You know, Seamus Mullen, who, who probably would yeah. never have come to London. He's, a, he's a, an amazing chef who, who specializes in Spanish food at Tartulia in, uh, in, uh, in New York has come to the sea containers in London, and is doing an amazing job, so.
0: Let's talk about the new book, because, you know, you're famous for roasting sheep's head. Yeah. So people are gonna say, (laughs) you know, which I really want to cook, but my wife seems less enthusiastic about (laughs) it. Yeah, we actually, we once had a great experience with a sheep's head. You did? In Cyprus, yeah. (laughs) And uh, we convinced the, we were in this restaurant up in the hills, and we said, we'll have a sheep's head, and they said, no, 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 you're tourists you won't have the sheep's head. We said, no, 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 we're food writers, you know, so we will have the sheep's head. And we did, and it was absolutely delicious. It's so good, Roast especially the that- The sheep's head,
1: the like cheeks. Yeah, and the eyes, know. the bit behind, behind the eyes. That little, does a nugget of meat right behind the right eyes. The it? Yeah,
0: right. yeah. We, I, we we didn't go for that, you see, because I actually, well okay, sorry, this is not about me, but anyway, <laughs> it's about me. So I actually was looking at the sheep's head whilst picking the bits off of the cheeks and it's absolutely delicious. And of course, the eyeball is there, looking at you. And I thought, you know, I bet that's just really delicious, you know, really, really good. But we hadn't been married that long. And I thought, maybe, you know, just leave it, leave it there. Yeah. You know, so I did, I left it there. I thought I won't, well, I won't go with the eyeball. You know, and when we got outside, Sally said, do you know if you'd eaten the eyeball, I'd have divorced you. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow.
1: That's it. That's serious. It's so close, isn't it? Yeah.
0: It's so close.
1: That's a threat right there. Yeah. So no eye, you haven't eaten I- an eyeball since. I have,
0: I, in Paul Flynn's res- uh, restaurant last year when <laughs> Fergus was oh over, yeah. I, we ate the eyeball. Nice. From the, from, from the roasted pig's head. Oh, great. Yeah. But so greens rather than snouts and tails and trotters mm-hmm. and so on. But again, the same attention to detail. You know, if you're gonna have yeah. the carrot with the yogurt, if you're gonna make the, well, I haven't made it actually yet because but I'm dying to make it, the carrot top pesto. Yeah. Where did you get that idea? Carrot tops. You
1: know, I can't remember where I found out you could actually eat carrot tops. I think because I was just nibbling them one day. Yeah, yeah, but you can, and they're delicious, and they're f- a little bit more carroty. They're actually more carroty than you think they would be, and very rough, like rough, and, and, and uh, actually uh, a little kind of like part, like rough when I mean like texture rough. Yeah, yeah. So they're perfect for like grinding up or pureeing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm known for ca- nose to tail, and I actually love using everything you know, whatever it is, I try and use as much as I can. So yeah. it made sense to make a pesto.
0: And, um, and the other thing I, I, I realised, um, I know you're from Birmingham, but is there any Irish in the background? No. I know the Irish know are mainly Manchester and so on, but n- no no Irish Brummie background? No. N-
1: no, I don't think so. No. I don't but think so. But you obviously
0: are an honorary Irish I woman.
1: love... I, you know, I, I because have Because you say
0: here, on boiled potatoes with butter and mint, I never get bored with potatoes. Never. I think you get honorary Irish citizenship. Oh,
1: really? That's nice. I like that.
0: I think you can can certainly pay for the Irish football team. (laughs) Uh, You know, just on that alone, we don't even need to see your grandmother's passport. Okay, you're on the team. Okay. You know,
1: I, 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 I said in an interview the other day, I was like, if I could be on a desert island and I had one ingredient, well, maybe two, if I'd sneak some pork fat there, but <laughs> I would take potatoes. Right. You know, so I, I just love them. I think they're great vehicles uh, to pick up flavor, and texturally, they, they can be very different. And, uh, yeah, I just, I never bore of them. I love them. Have I could you, eat have them you a favorite? Love.
0: Is there any one... One potato that you sort of think, oh my god, I love. No, I like Yukon goals, or m- I love Satantas. No, I
1: love, I love every potato. You love yeah, them all. You yeah. love them all. I you are Irish. Yeah, I love yeah. them.
0: <laughs> yeah, love them. Right, brilliant. Listen, we're going to open it up to the to the floor here now with the, the remaining time. Uh, Question: Have we got a mic, James? If we if we have, and perhaps a beautiful assistant to walk around the floor. Okay, actually, we we hardly we hardly need it, but. Uh, if we have any, uh, just tell us your name and a question for April. we we'll start with this gentleman here in the centre, please, if we could. <coughs> Hi, um, I've just moved to London and uh, I've kind of just been exposed to like the, everything you were talking about, the thriving food scene and everything, and you seem to talk about it so passionately. Do you think you'd ever move back to, move back to England, move back to London, open a restaurant there? Good question.
1: It is a great question. I, I'd love to be able to put a foot here again and, and kind of uh, do something here. Um, actually, when we were looking for our uh, sp- uh, space, we were looking at spaces in San Francisco, L.A. and actually London. Because those are the three places Ken and I like to go. You know, I love L.A. He's, he's from L.A. I, I lived in San Francisco and of course I have this connection to London and so does Ken. So we were looking at those three places and San Francisco came up first. Um, so yeah, I would love to eventually do something here and mm. just kind of bring back my uh, my roots.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, watch this space. Lady over here, please.
1: Thanks, hi, I'm Jane Kelly from Meet Your Books. Um, Christine Malk from Bon Appetit said yesterday that One of the problems with the New York restaurants is that property prices and rentals have gone up so high
0: Mm. that
1: it's really hard to start a new restaurant but also to get staff because the staff have to live so far out because they can't afford the rent. So Uh you're finding that with your three restaurants as well. Yeah, I question. mean, yeah, y- because yeah. I mean,
0: we've even seen iconic places like you mentioned, the Union, Union Square, Square closed, yeah. having to close because they can no longer pay the, yeah. pay the rent where they've been for 30, yeah. 30 odd years.
1: Yeah, d- very much so. It's hard, you know. It's uh, people are living all the way out in Astoria or um, just far right places, and then travel time. I mean, restaurant industry is hard enough as it is to have to like schlep, you know, and have yeah. a big commute. It's 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 you know it's impossible. So and actually, um, you can see that in in the in in the restaurant industry in general all over America, because I think chefs now are starting to have to move to different cities. Uh, you know, I think at one time New York was the place to be. Uh, you know, it was the center of the universe. Yeah, yeah. And actually now chefs are moving to Portland, Seattle, all those kind of satellite cities. Uh, even Chicago's got an amazing rest- restaurant scene like that. Yeah, that's, so. it, that's exactly what Christine said, that yeah. their coverage in one Appetit magazine is now more about restaurants outside yeah, New York because yeah. they're finding the really new ones are, are happening outside, mm-hmm. which didn't used to be the case. Right. You know, I, I just met a chef in Chicago um, in Italy. I was doing a demo there. And uh, he's like, yeah, I could, couldn't afford New York anymore. So I came to Chicago and he's like, I finally got my foot on, a, on the you know, housing ladder and actually put a deposit down on the house. Right. And I, that's a big feat for a chef, you yeah. know, cause they don't make a ton of money. Yeah. I was like, congratulations. Like it's, it's good. It's great that you managed to do that. Yeah,
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Good question. Thank you. Joanna here in the center.
1: April, Joanna Blythman, you speak so enthusiastically about cooking, and I just wonder, is there ever been a day when you've gone into the kitchen and thought, I'm
0: tired today, I really don't want to chop any more onions, or <laughs> or you know, peel wet walnuts, and if that has <laughs> ever happened to you, and it may not have, how do you sort of
1: regenerate your energy? I mean, how do you get over that hump? Right. I mean, I've never really thought that, Um, deeply on it but um, if I do get tired through some reason I I like to um, I like to be out in the country Mm. and I like to listen to the birds and see the trees and smell the air but also read books I like to go out to eat in restaurants I I love to travel so so if I do feel a bit dipped in my creativity not necessarily like I'm done I can't chop another onion but my dipping in my creativity then I try and reinvigorate myself um, but uh, yeah, that,
0: yeah. Because uh, I, m- I mean, that nowadays with people always, y- y- you know, I, m- I mean, okay, people will often go back to restaurants to eat the same thing. You right. know, go to the pig to have the burger with the rock for and so on. Mm-hmm. But the, the the consumer nowadays, the modern educated culinary consumer, is really always looking for something new, a mm-hmm. new angle. Right. You know. So so how do you keep? Learning is it is it is it through reading is, is, it, is it through books or is it through going and seeing what other chefs are doing or a mixture I of both. I try the not book?
1: to get influenced too much by yeah. uh, you know I like to kind of just do my thing uh, but of course you're going to get indirectly influenced so yeah it's just basically that it's reading a book going to a restaurant or seeing some wild something in the in the in the forest or something that you know like wood sorrel or something and yeah. doing something with that. So. Yeah
0: yeah yeah great thank you so lady over here please
1: do your restaurants cater for the vegetarian stroke vegan market we do yeah if people have allergies or they they're vegan we're, we're quite happy to adapt to anything we don't mix and match we don't like if we want a burger and you want the side of spinach or whatever instead of the fries we don't do that but like if you're allergic to garlic we'll make something new if you don't like chili or you're allergic to chili we'll take it out um so we'll we'll will subtract, but no substitutions.
0: <laughs> because, actually, I must ask, you know, I, I, a friend who works with us on our books um, was working the big cruise ships in the Caribbean recently, and these are kind of mega-book boats, and so they fax off the menus to these really rich people who are gonna come to their boats. And he said, every woman came back and said, I can't eat this, I can't eat this, I can't eat this, I'm allergic to this, I have a reaction to that. Right. So, like, 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 is this b- becoming a problem? That essentially the old lovely idea of putting food down and everybody shares it Not for is me. is becoming no, a problem? No? I mean,
1: I, I feel like I'm in a bit of a bubble. I, I, the, I might have the best customers in the in the world. Um, they rarely ask for anything, uh, unless it is an allergy. And uh, you know, the reason why I wanted to make this book was uh, uh, one, I went on a a trip to Mongolia, which we can talk about later. But the other one is you have to really go to the pig or the Breslin to f- to know that I'm really passionate about vegetables and equally as passionate about vegetables th- than I am to meat. And uh, you really have to go there and experience because you're not going to know any other way. Yep. But now you can because I brought out a book. But, um, <laughs> but that was the reason. I wanted to show people how passionate I was about vegetables. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of sa- delicious hearty salads and uh, sides um, in, in each of our restaurants.
0: So tell us about Mongolia.
1: Well, I went on this uh, big Mongolia trip in 2010 and uh, I went with seven women chefs. Um, Anita Lowe, she has an amazing restaurant in New York called Anissa, um, Mary Sue Milliken, who has um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, some amazing uh, Mexican resha- restaurants in yeah. LA. And we just went and did a fishing and hunting trip. and. Uh, we, somebody had shot a deer and so hung the deer and we, we ate the deer. And uh, so we'd eaten a lot of meat and a lot of fish. And for some reason, nobody touched the vegetables. So <laughs> at the end of the week, there was like these these slightly older looking vegetables. And nobody wanted the responsibility of cooking them. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to cook them because I don't want to waste them. And, um, and so I made them. And everybody's like quiet and like whispering in it talking and i was starting to get a bit paranoid and i'm like what's going on (laughs) and they're like wow you're like a vegetable whisperer i was like thank you
0: (laughs) like i love my vegetables
1: she's like you turn these like old vegetables into something amazing so so that kind of set me on a track i was like oh maybe my next book will be you know i'd like to do a veggie book
0: yeah Yeah. yeah Did you enjoy writing it? I mean, I must say, you know, from the day I got it, I just was cooking from it straight away. And and the focaccia recipe, Sally made the focaccia recipe. It's a killer. It's just amazing. It's so satisfying. It's hearty, you know, well, it is, but it's got, it's, you you know, focaccia, you tend to think, okay, it's, it's got an ethereality and so on, but this is a a gutsy focaccia, you know, with the red onion and the potato. It's a beautiful, beautiful recipe. Yeah. Thank
1: you. That's very sweet. Really good. It's good with slathered with uh, gorgonzola. And too, plenty of butter. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of butter. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome, okay. Thank any you.
0: Oh, hi. lady, lady oh. in the front? Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I beg your pardon. Hi, sorry. Go ahead. I was just wondering: uh, has the um, the change in the drink scene influenced your menus over the last oh, five years, question. with the rise of cocktails and, and um, new wines coming through? <gasps> question
1: i think they've always been in balance i think in our restaurants you know we've always had a good balance between drink like great cocktails Uh and and food so i think we've been pretty consistent with that vision for for like 10 years yeah and maybe it's different here. Maybe it's, it's 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 arrived a little later. I don't know. But in New York, it's w-
0: we don't have the same mix. The same you mixology scene se- to the same right, extent okay. at all. No, right. no. What it's about growing. It's, g- it's growing. But yeah. but I mean, we have a, in Ireland certainly craft beer and uh, a slow movement towards natural wines mm. and so on. But I mean, New York obviously is sort of mixology capital yes. of the world, right, really, right. in, in yeah. some ways, and yeah. has
1: been for a very long time. For a long time. So yeah.
0: yeah yeah so yeah that's a good question sorry the lady in the front um, yes.
1: hi i just wonder uh you've had an amazing career and done so much stuff what is your proudest moment you know, what are you most proud of in your in, in my, in my um, your life so far in your journey um well there's a couple of things but ma- i think maybe getting my job at the river cafe was the most uh, impressive i think
0: Because you didn't expect to get it. I didn't expect expect to get get it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't ever think
1: I was good enough to work there. You know, and and for them to offer me a job at the end of my two weeks was amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: have a very fun spot.
0: Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Tell us all. Tell us as well. It was just one of the things because we're we're talking here about technique, but one of the things you 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 in 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 the first book book that you touch on is the correct way to eat a Cadbury's Flake. Because I, I hadn't known there was a way of doing it other than, you know, take the paper and sit yeah. down on your suitcase in a right. windswept piazza uh-huh. and, and eat a Cadbury's yeah. flake. Um, well, you but kind of crush tell it. Us, tell us how you do it now. You've okay, you got the flake. Like, yeah. You know, you've got the flake. What's, what's the correct way? Well, I kind of crush it. What's the it. April Bloomfield way <laughs> to approach a piece of chocolate?
1: It's really funny, actually, because when I go to buy a flake, firstly, it's got to be firm. Like, it can't be broken. <laughs> it's going to sound really weird. Right. So, so you, it has do, to do be Do you in kind of root
0: through them just in case? You know, I, have, I
1: have a good old feel. <laughs> yeah. So, I kind of okay. go like... They must
0: love you in the sweet shop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they I must, try and they Oh, here she it, comes. It just, I try oh, my do God. It. The
0: flake girl. Um, here she comes. So, I have a good
1: old feel. And then I'm like, that, that feels good. There's no flaky bits on it. Right. And then I get now it. Now, would
0: you be the same with a curly-whirly?
1: Uh, no, curly-whirly, I just... No, do, yeah.
0: bang it in. Yeah. okay. Actually, I, had my,
1: I had my first Curly Whirly in San Francisco, somebody gave me a Curly Whirly in San Francisco, and I was like, I haven't had one of these for so long, they're yeah. delicious. <laughs> um,
0: so the flake, so you've got the <clears throat> perfect flake. Yeah,
1: it's perfect cont- you know, perfectly wrapped, it's perfectly intact, and then I kind of crush it all, mm-hmm. and then I open the top, and <laughs> I just go, <sighs> ah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in public? In private, (laughs) 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 thank heavens for that.
1: But uh, it's really funny that it can't be broken before, you know. It's like dipping your you have to break it, yeah. It's like somebody else breaking your yoke, you know. You can't do that, can't do that, no. So it has to be intact, and then you break it up, and you
0: right? Right. It's
1: like the perfect vehicle, you just open it at the end, and it all stays there, you don't get messy, (laughs) anyway.
0: Fabulous. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> no, no. What will you take away from LitFest 2015?
1: I'd a whole a new
0: approach to eating a Cadbury's flake. Wow.
1: Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, guys, for coming and be, being here so early. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank Fantastic.
0: You. Ladies and gentlemen, can we show you a your appreciation? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <coughs>
0: Can I presume you'll be signing copies of A Girl and Her Greens in the bookstore sometime soon?
1: Right now, I think. Right
0: now, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, thank Thank you all so much for turning up so early on a Sunday morning. Thank you very much.